Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. We could gather again. Uh, who remembers how we started this semester? Now, that was five weeks ago. What, do you remember, Brian? Reality and community. Okay, everyone should have an outline. Uh, there's some on the tables up here if you need one. Or Rodney has some back here. The first uh, bullet points are actually just a summary of the previous uh, sessions that we've had here. And uh, so just to catch everybody up to date in case this is your first time, uh, but also to show you how this message tonight just goes right in the flow. Uh, so reality and community, Kyle shared this five weeks ago. And uh, at that time, he shared that every human being is searching for reality and community. Every human being. We were made for this. We were made for reality and community. People need to have purpose in their life. They need to have meaning in their life. Uh, that is reality to them. And, of course, community is a huge matter. That's why when people commit crimes for punishment, we lock them up. Right? Because uh, that's a punishment. Everybody needs to have community. The verses that he used at that time were from Ephesians 4. And I just want to read a couple of these verses. 4.21, it says, If indeed you have heard him, that's Christ, and have been taught in him as the reality is in Jesus. Matthew, where is the reality? In Jesus. It's in Jesus. We need Jesus. He is the reality. And then the verses go on. It says, that you put off as regards your former manner of life, the old man. The old man, we saw at that time, is really just our old community. How do we know that? Because a few verses later, Paul talks about how we need to be brought into the new man and put on the new man. And in Ephesians, the very same book, the Apostle Paul says that the new man was created in Christ Jesus on the cross by bringing together two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, being brought together into one new man. So the new man is a corporate man. It's a corporate entity. And this is our new community. When we receive Christ as our reality, and we were baptized into this new community, Amen. we were transferred. Malik, you got transferred out of an old community into a new community. Praise the Lord. Okay, the then, you know, the week, a week later, Brother Chris shared on where reality and community converge. They, and I, I really like, he just used this singular form, home. Home is the place. Home is the place. There in Acts chapter 2, when the church was just initiated, Jesus Christ had just been crucified and resurrected. The Spirit was outpoured on the day of Pentecost. Peter was preaching a message, and it says that 3,000 got saved and baptized. And the church life started. And uh, I wanted to read a couple verses there. It's in, in verse 40. As Peter is preaching his message, he says, um, And with many other words he solemnly testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this crooked generation. That crooked generation is our old community. It's a crooked generation. 
Those then who received his word were baptized. Baptism is the way to get transferred out of the old crooked generation, the old community. I hope everyone in here has received the Lord as their reality and has been baptized into this new community. And then it goes on and it says that they were continuing steadfastly in the teaching and fellowship of the apostles, the breaking of bread and the prayers, and day by day continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So this became the theme of that second message, that the homes, uh, your home, my home, the homes of the believers in Christ is where uh, reality and community converge. The homes. You know, this is a new invention. In the Old Testament times, the people of God didn't meet day by day and house to house. They met in the temple periodically. But after the death and resurrection of Christ, the Holy Spirit invented a new way for the, for the people of God to come together. And that was day by day and house to house. And there, in the homes of the believers, listen, every need can be met. Every need. What, need, what kind of needs do you have? You know, we all have spiritual needs. We all have psychological needs. We all have physical needs. You know, Isaac might be struggling with math. That's a, that's a physical, <laughs> practical need. But he comes to a home of some believers here in Austin, and he discovers, oh, the host family, the husband is, is an engineer. He knows math like the back of his hand. He can help you. Some, some of us have psychological needs. Maybe you just lost a loved one. A, a grandmother, grandpa just died. And there's an emotional need there. Who are you going to turn to to get some emotional support? Your peer who's 18 years old? and How about someone who's been around a long time? Right? They've been knowing the Lord for a long time. They can really render some genuine comfort Genuine comfort. It's met there in the homes. The homes are a greenhouse for spiritual growth. It's a marvelous point. I, I, you know, some of you know, I, I went to school here a long time ago, and I worked on the roof of Welch Building. There used to be some greenhouses up there. And uh, they're not there anymore. They just tore them down last year. <laughs> they put them over on top of the new uh, experimental science building. But anyways, I was up there day after day growing some plants, and the environment was just right. It didn't matter if it was 30 degrees outside or 100 degrees. The temperature was the same every day. The light was there uh, to the proper amount of intensity. Watering, fertilizer, everything was there. And this is the way the homes are. When we get into the homes of the believers, every need can be met. There's a greenhouse for spiritual growth. And then also Chris shared that there's a pattern of living Christ that gets imparted into us. I really thought that was a marvelous point. You know, you come to this club meeting on campus and you might think, well, this is just, this is fun for while I'm in college, but once I graduate, then what? But when you go, Brian, when you go to Troy Bryan's house on Friday night and you see a regular family, a husband and wife. Of course, their kids are, no, one kid is still there, right? Blake is still there. Uh, 
He plays baseball. Troy's barbecuing in the backyard. Uh, maybe he'll take you fishing. Um, but it's just a normal situation. People with normal jobs. But listen, they are, have given their lives to pursue the Lord. They have normal human lives, but they have given themselves to pursue Christ. And that pattern gets imprinted on you. And so when you graduate, you realize, okay, I know what I can be doing for the rest of my life. I can give myself to pursue the Lord, just like these older believers that I go to their home every week and I see it happening right before my eyes. It doesn't end here in college, but it's for the rest of our life. Then we had three messages in a row on prayer, the Spirit, and the Word, because this is something else that's really happening in the homes of the believers. Of course, there's something very human happening there. Cherishing is going on. Uh, human needs are being met. But there's also prayer, the Spirit, and the Word. And with prayer, uh, and by the way, these, these three things are how the community grows. It's through prayer, the Spirit, and the Word. Prayer, I really appreciated this, Prayer is to contact God in our spirit and to absorb God himself. You, we might think prayer is just to ask the Lord to do something for us. But actually, prayer is our contacting God and absorbing God. God is available as the spirit, just like the air that we're breathing right now. He's been poured out upon all flesh. He's here and he's available. And when we open ourselves to pray, to contact Him, we are absorbing Him. Just like your lungs open to absorb the oxygen in the air. We need to open to the Lord in prayer to absorb Him. And then um, it's the circulation of the Spirit that brings us together. And the key word here in that message was fellowship, right? Because it says in Acts 2, it says they continued steadfastly in the teaching and the fellowship of the apostles in the breaking of bread and the prayers. So teaching is there, the teaching of the apostles. That's, that's the, uh, the New Testament. Um, that's the teaching of the apostles. That's the word. And prayers is mentioned, but where do you see the Spirit? Well, Chris Lynch pointed out the Spirit is seen right here in this word fellowship. Fellowship is the circulation of the Spirit. And... Uh, and then um, last week we heard about the Word, the Word of God. And this was really amazing because you would think there in Acts as uh, <clears throat> the resurrected and ascended Christ is being propagated and you would think it would talk about how the number of people uh, were increasing, churches were increasing and so forth. But you know what it says repeatedly? It says the Word of God grew and multiplied. The Word of God, that's how God's purpose is being carried out, is through the Word. When you come to the Word, you come to Christ. Actually, all three of these, prayer, the Spirit, and the Word, work together. They work together. <clears throat> and this was a note that I wrote down when Tina was sharing last week. It was quite striking. It said, we get the Spirit from the Word through prayer. That's how these three work together. You want the Spirit, you get the Spirit through the Word. But when you come to, word, to the Word, you've got to pray. Amen. Pray the Word, and you'll get the Spirit. Amen. Then the last verse that ended the session last time was Colossians 
which says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. <clears throat> so that brings us to where we are tonight <clears throat> on the matter of witnessing. If the word is coming in, you're there in the homes, uh, the place where reality and community converge, the word is being dispensed, you're taking the word in, you're getting filled up with the word, the word's coming in, now it has to go out. Now it has to go out. And with witnessing, I wanted to say this uh, at the beginning here, that our witnessing is to bring people into this reality and community. You know, people in the world, they have their, quote, reality, meaning for their life, purpose for their life. Uh, but all the things in the world, eventually they're going to come to an end. And people are going to discover at the end of their life that what they gave their life to, what was the meaning of their life, ends up being nothing but dust and ashes. So uh, we want to bring them to the, the reality that is the real reality, right? <laughs> the eternal reality, which is in Jesus Christ. And then we also want to bring them into this community, which is the fellowship around Jesus Christ. It's the body of Christ. It's the church life that we're enjoying. Even here on campus, we're enjoying this, this community. Um, and this is really the essence of our witnessing. It's the word coming in and the word going out and people being brought into this reality and community. Uh, we put here Acts chapter 8, a few verses. How about we have the, the guys read verse 3. The girls on four and everybody on five. Go. Was devastating the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He delivered them to prison. Those, therefore, who were scattered. Announcing the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ to them. Okay, so here's the scene. Just a few chapters earlier, we saw the church had just begun and 3,000 got saved and they start meeting day by day and house to house. Um, but then there was a great persecution by this guy named Saul of Tarsus, the top Jew. He came and he, he had letters from the chief priests and he was binding and imprisoning the believers, persecuting them. And so the believers began to scatter throughout the region. But listen... When they scattered throughout the region, they didn't go empty. They had the word in them. Amen. And they, it says they proclaimed that, uh, Christ. They announced the word. They announced the word as the gospel. <clears throat> One of the things I studied in, in college was seed dispersal. And all the mechanisms related to seed dispersal. But you know, a seed is a little package of life. It's life. Actually, you know, there's, uh, the life is associated with the genes, right? The genetic material. There's a, there's a famous scientist alive today who said, uh, he wrote a book called The Language of God, and he was talking about the genes. You know, it's, on the one hand, it's life, but it's also like a, like a, like word. <laughs> it's like the word. It's like a document. 
You see that the chromosomes in your cells, the genetic material is like a, a written document with letters and words and sentences and paragraphs that, that code for the growth and development of, of that life. But anyways, these seeds, they get dispersed and they carry that genetic material, which is this written document with them that governs the growth and development and propagation of that life. Well, that's what happened here in Acts chapter 8. They, these believers who got filled, they got loaded with the word. They got dispersed throughout the region and they began to announce the word as the gospel. And they began to proclaim Christ. <clears throat> this is their witnessing. Then uh, look at the next point, drinking and flowing. You know, when we are plugged into Christ, we're drinking him in. Amen. Have you experienced that, Isaac? drinking in Christ? Amen. Did you know you can breathe Christ, drink Christ, and eat Christ? The Lord, in John 6, He told us to eat Him. Here, in John 7, He told us to drink Him. Let's read these. How about the guys on 37 and girls on 38? Go. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes into me, Scripture said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So you come to Christ and you start drinking him in. You know, when, the, when, when you come to Christ, he's just available. He's so ready to dispense himself into your being. And we open our mouth. You know, somehow, and I still haven't figured out exactly how this works, EJ, <clears throat> but somehow... Our, our mouth is connected to our spirit. <laughs> there's, just a, there's a connection. You can't see it under a microscope, but somehow there's a connection between our mouth and our spirit. And when we come to the Lord and call on His name, we uh, engage our spirit, and spirit contacts spirit, and we start drinking. We start drinking. And once we drink, there has to be a flow. You see, without the flowing of this living water, then our drinking is just in vain. It's just in vain. Uh, in fact, we could say this, that if we don't flow out Christ by opening our mouth and speaking Him forth, then um, we, we're not going to be able to continue to drink. Okay? I wanted to give you all an illustration of this. So, um, th this is, is you... You're a, you're a water hose, a, like a garden hose. Okay, you're a garden hose. Now, on, on one end of this garden hose, there, there's always a, uh, you know, a, a nozzle with a trigger there. And, um, <clears throat> and then, on the other end, this gets hooked up to a, to a spigot, right? Okay, now if you are opening yourself to the Lord and you're plugged into Him right here, this is the source of this water flow. And you're open to Him and the spigot is wide open. It's wide open. Water starts to flow in and you're enjoying, you're calling on the Lord, you're singing, you're uh, reading His Word, you're pray reading His Word. Uh, 
and uh, you're fellowshipping with the other believers. More water is coming in because this spigot is wide open. But eventually, this water hose is going to get full of water. And if this nozzle is closed over here, the flow is going to stop. Yes, you're plugged in up here. Yes, you're open to the Lord. You're going through all the motions, calling on Him, praying, reading the Bible, reading ministry books that expound the Bible, and so forth. But if nothing's coming out on this end, then eventually the flow will stop. The drinking will stop. Do you see that? Until we open up this nozzle right here. And when we do, then the flow continues. And then we can drink some more. We can drink some more. But if our mouth is shut up, the flow stops. Uh, and we're not able to drink anymore. And there will come a time, there will come a time if our mouth is not open and we're not witnessing concerning what we've seen and heard of the Lord, the time will come when we'll read our next chapter of the Bible for our daily Bible reading, and we don't get anything. We don't get any light. We don't get any life supply. We don't get any encouragement. It's just dry, Julian. The time will come when, uh, <clears throat> when you gather together with the other believers, and there's just no flow. When you read that next chapter in that ministry book, eventually the flow stops. It just doesn't satisfy anymore. And you're not sure why. In the past, it always I just got so refreshed every time I read this. Uh, but now, there's nothing. And you're, you sense you're plugged into the Lord. You don't sense there's any sin in the way blocking the flow. Nothing to confess. But yet, there's no flow. It's because right here, this nozzle is closed. <laughs> so we need to open our mouth and witness, testify, speak forth. Um, <clears throat> so if we don't drink, we can't flow. But if we don't flow, we can't continue to drink. Okay, so we have to flow out. This is our witnessing. And then one other matter here, um, and, and this is real serious. The lack of flowing might cause our thirst to disappear. And this would be a real tragedy. If our thirst for the Lord disappeared because of the lack of flowing, eventually it just dries up. We're no longer thirsty for the Lord. That's a tragedy. When we start thirsting for other things, we're no longer thirsty for the Lord. Right? So we need to pray, Lord, we need to be desperate. To keep drinking and flowing. Amen. Okay, now, what are we going to speak? What are we going to witness? Well, that's the next point. What we've seen and heard. What we've seen and heard. So here we have uh, some verses. The first set from Acts is the experience of Saul of Tarsus, who eventually became the Apostle Paul. Now, <clears throat> in Acts 22... Paul was recounting his conversion experience. He was recounting it to the Jews. And this little detail here in verse 15 is not recorded in chapter 9 where the actual conversion experience happened. 
So we need to pick this up. It says that uh, this is where Ananias came to him. Paul had been uh, knocked down on the road to, Dam to Damascus. He was persecuting the believers. The Lord appeared to him and knocked him down. And he was blinded for three days. And then this brother came on the third day named Ananias. And he, he came to Saul and he said, For you will be a witness to him unto all men of the things which you have seen and heard. He had just met the Lord three days earlier and, and gotten knocked to the ground by the Lord, got blinded by the Lord. And this little brother comes and he says, you're going to be a witness. The Lord told me to tell you this. You're going to be a witness to him unto all men of the things which you have seen and heard. And then look at the very next thing in Acts chapter 9 as the story unfolds. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight and rose up and was baptized, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. We, we might think, oh, wait a minute, uh, the, eye, the scales fell off his eyes, his, his sight was restored, he was baptized, and then five years later, after he spent some time studying the Bible and getting well-versed in the Scriptures and, and having a lot of experiences, then... He proclaimed Jesus. No, it says immediately. <laughs> immediately. And then look at John chapter 1. Uh, here, uh, John the Baptist had some disciples. And he saw Jesus coming to him. And he, he, uh, he declared, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This Jesus. And one of the two, and then actually he had baptized Jesus there in the Jordan River. And some more things were spoken by John. And then one of the two disciples who was with John heard this from John and followed Jesus, followed him. Uh, that was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which, is trans which translated means Christ. He led him to Jesus. So he, he just heard John the Baptist say, Behold the Lamb of God. And then he went and he found his brother Simon and led him to Jesus. He's, um, he said, We found the Messiah. That's all he said. We found the Messiah. Come. And then the same thing happened to uh, Philip and Nathaniel. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. We found him. Come. And actually, uh, was Jesus the son of Joseph? No. He, he, he wasn't even accurate in what he was saying. But it doesn't matter, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, you might think, uh, well, I need more experience. I need more time in the Word. I need, but I'll tell you what, your youth is your power. It's the power of your witnessing. The power of your testimony is in your youth. When you look at a tree, it's always the young, tender branches that are producing the blossoms and bearing the fruit. It's not the big, uh, thicker branches that have a lot of bark on them and so forth. It's the young, tender branches. That uh, represents you. You're young. Actually, 
I'm young. <laughs> I'm getting younger every day. The more I enjoy Christ, the more I feed on Him. The younger I get. It's our youth that is our power. But, uh, brothers and sisters, as, as young people, uh, I just want to tell you that your youth is your power. Okay? You don't have to take an excuse that you're too young. You know, look here, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, his young co-worker, he said, let no one despise your youth. Don't despise your youth. Your youth is your power. And I can testify, I have taken uh, brothers out on the gospel here on this campus. People your age, college students. And we'll go out and we'll share the gospel. And sometimes I'll just let the, the student take the lead. And, and in my mind, sometimes I'm thinking, man, they're, they're using the wrong verse. Or they qu they're quoting the wrong reference and saying the wrong thing. But you know what? It, it doesn't matter. The person got saved. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, uh, yes, you're young, uh, but surely you've seen and heard something. Even if you got saved this semester, you've already seen and heard a lot, right? Maybe you get together with some of the older, uh, you know, full-timers, the staff members here for an appointment. You get into the Word together. You've seen and heard something. Maybe you're connected to a community group here on campus. In my community group that I'm in, uh, one of the students wanted to read this, this book called Life and Building in the Song of Songs, as portrayed in the Song of Songs. Well, the book doesn't even mention the, uh, the Song of Songs until chapter 3. But in the very first chapter, it tells us what life is not and what life is. And we discovered that life is not power. Life is not more knowledge of the Bible. Life is not spiritual gifts. We found out in that first chapter that life is a person with the strongest personality and that's Jesus Christ and he wants to become your person. <laughs> Why couldn't you speak that to someone? You got that from that community group. You've already seen and heard something. So when you're sitting there in class you can tell your classmate, hey, I was just in this Bible study and I found out that life is a person. Maya, life is a person. It's a person, Jesus Christ. Good enough. Anyways, we, we've already seen and heard a lot. Um, okay, the last point I have here is unfurling our flag. Unfur what does that mean? Unfurling your flag. Are you carrying a flag that's all rolled up? <laughs> nobody, nobody knows what, who you represent. You know, when the, when the U.S. military goes in and marches in to, uh, to battle, they have the American flag flying on top of those A-1 Army tanks. Uh, they're flying on the battleships. Uh, they're painted across the side of the, the, uh, the airplanes. The flag of the United States of America. They want everyone to be clear. This is who we're representing. The United States of America. Well, we have been born into the kingdom of God. We're citizens of that kingdom. And we have another kind of flag, right? <laughs> and we need to let people know who we're representing. Who we're representing. We need to unfurl our flag so they can see. 
I'm a Christian. I'm a lover of Christ. I believe in the Lord Jesus. This is what it means to unfurl our flag. And this practice will be a big protection to us and it will save us from a lot of turmoil. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, when I uh, first came here, I came here uh, to be in graduate school in the botany department. And uh, on my way here, I got baptized. My first day uh, on campus, I met this club. I started getting involved in the Bible studies and was really pursuing the Lord, enjoying the Lord. But I was a new grad student, and I had these new colleagues, and we shared an office together. There were 12 of us up on the top floor of the uh, BioLabs building. Well, guess what they did every Friday? Every Friday afternoon, they would say, Hey, Paul, we're going down to 6th Street. Why don't you come with us? It's happy hour. But I just didn't have peace to do that. So I would make an excuse. Well, I'm, I'm too busy this week and I can't, can't go. Next week, they'd ask me again. <laughs> oh, we're going to go to this club. There's a great show going on. Another excuse. I got two exams next week. I got to study. I can't go out tonight. Thanks for the offer. <laughs> but week after week, they kept inviting me. Eventually, uh, one time they asked me on a Friday night, Friday afternoon, and I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to a Bible study tonight. And uh, guess what? From that point forward, no one ever invited me. To <laughs> <laughs> I got saved. I got saved. Right? Uh, so after I've been here for a while, I was married, my wife and I were living in an apartment, and um, a friend of mine from high school, okay, I came here from Pennsylvania, from a small town, 3,500 people, a small town. A friend of mine from high school comes here to go to school, to get his MBA, and he comes down with his wife, they move into our apartment complex, and... Um, and I didn't have a whole lot of interaction with him. I'd, once in a while, I'd play racquetball with him. And, um, but anyways, one day, he leaves a voice message on my answering machine. We didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> and he says, hey, Paul, my mom and dad and my young, little brother are coming down for the weekend uh, to visit. And we got tickets to go down to 6th Street <laughs> to watch this show. And I'm like, Lord, what am I going to say? How am I going to? Yes, I know his parents. We grew. Everybody in that town knows everybody. His parents know my parents. They're coming. I should see them, right? And uh, how am I going to get out of this? So I was praying, Lord, what should I say? How can I? So anyways, I got, enough, got up enough courage, called him up on the phone. And I said, uh, hey, Mark, I got your message. Uh, yeah, I just, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, a few years ago when I moved to Texas, I, um, I got baptized. And, and I was about to share my testimony and how the Lord was operating in me and how I didn't have the peace. But as soon as I said, 
I, I got baptized. He, <laughs> on the other end of the line, he was like, oh, don't worry. You don't have to say any more. It's, it's, you know, don't worry about it. No problem. And then he just hung up the phone. <laughs> Uh, but brothers and sisters, we need to unfurl our flag. We need to unfurl our flag. We need to let people know. And sometimes, you know what? It's as simple as an invitation. Just like these guys in John 1, come and see. We found something. Come and see. You just invite. That's all you have to do. That's, that can be our simple witness. Come and see. Um, well, we better end here uh, for the sake of time. And uh, I think we'll just group up together in small groups, fellowship uh, on the different points. Maybe you have some experiences of some of these things. And then maybe in five minutes or so, seven minutes, we'll come back together and, and uh, hear some of your experiences and testimonies.